AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Fertilizer prices are moving, and growers across the Corn Belt are wondering what's next. We'll add to that conversation today. And does it make a difference what will get planted this spring? Uh, What other factors will influence planting decisions? We'll get that covered in this week's Farmer Forum. Live from the bottom of the hump via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This morning, we begin with a conversation with Josh Linville from Stonex. Then it's our Farmer Forum with panelists Brent Johnson and Quint Pottinger. And right after the news, Margie Echelkamp from The Scoop. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson. Now, here's the host of AgriTalk, Chip Flory. All right, Davis, thank you very much, my hey, friend. Buddy. How are things going today? Oh, super great, super great. Good. It's my favorite kind of weather. It's kind of. Is it? Yes, just kind of chilly outside without being windy. You know, the wind, the yeah. wind is what just gets yeah. me. Yeah. You know, yeah. it upsets me. Just nice, chilly, overcast, cloudy, a kind of a light rain right now. I think we've got some heavy rain coming, but, uh, you know, yeah. a good day to be inside with a warm cup of coffee and just, there you, go. you know, thinking about fertilizer. You know, it's a good day <laughs> thinking for that. about fertilizer. I love that. That's right. Yes. Yep. You know, you think about fertilizer a lot. Frequently. I, I don't know if uh, if you're aware that it's more than the normal individual, but you do. This is not normal? <laughs> Probably hmm. not. Probably so you're saying not. I'm a, I'm extraordinary. Extraordinary. Thanks yes. for that, Chip. I needed that. <laughs> Shot in the <laughs> arm. How about you? How's, there, how's tricks? There is no ordinary in Davis Michelson. I can pretty much guarantee you that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness yeah no everything's good up here we good. are anticipating um uh some heavy snowfall and it's one of those where we're gonna get anywhere from i think it's like around five inches is okay. the forecast for northeast iowa a little bit further to the north still in iowa could get up to seven inches but Ooh. it sounds like it's going to be that wet snow Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is a little different than the snow that we've had earlier. That was pretty easy to move around, guys. Yeah. yeah. This one's going to be a little bit different is, is what it sounds like. So just heads up on that. Uh, severe weather already down in Oof. far east Texas, Louisiana, yes. Arkansas. There are tornado watches, tornado uh, and severe storm um, uh, warnings going on down there. So just just be aware. You know what? I think they may have just yet... They just issued a tornado warning in far southern Arkansas. So things are developing and, and moving along pretty quickly along that front. It's all the way up into central Illinois, too, is where the leading edge of this front is. And it's just going to make a big circle up around in the Ohio Valley, Tennessee Valley, and, and back up into Minnesota is what it looks like before everything is said and done. Okay. Let's move on. What do you got for the news, bud? Well, Chip, the Biden administration's Waters of the U.S. definition details are in today's Federal Register. EPA announced the revised rule December 30, and the new definition becomes effective March 20. Now, Chip, the definition reflects regulations in place before 2015, 
with adjustments based on court rulings since that time. Yeah, we need to get somebody on and talk about exactly what is in it. But the thing that we must remember is that it's got exemptions in it for agriculture. Uh, (laughs) What you need an exemption from isn't clear. That's the problem. It needs to be clarified. Well, the dollar index bottomed around the 102 area, close to levels not seen since June 2022, as prospects that cooling inflation will give the Federal Reserve room to slow its aggressive tightening and move investors away from the greenback. Investors now bet that the Fed will downshift to a smaller 25 basis point rate hike in February after delivering a half percentage point increase in December. Yeah, it's down about 400 points right now. The U.S. dollar is right at just a tick under 102 on the index. Retail sales in the United States declined 1.1% month over month in December. That follows an upwardly revised 1% drop in November and uh, fell short of market expectations of a 0.8% fall. Sales at gasoline stations recorded the biggest decrease, followed by furniture stores, motor vehicle dealers, electronics, and appliance stores. Yeah, that's one of the reasons that the market is beginning to scale back their expectations of interest rate increases going forward. This is interesting. Weekly mortgage demand shot higher after rates came down a little bit, showing just how sensitive the market is to rate movement. Overall demand rose 28% last week, wow. Chip, according to the Mortgage Bankers Association, as the interest rate on the popular 30-year fixed-rate mortgage declined to 6.23%, down from 6.42%. Just for some perspective, a year ago, the rate was 3.64%, Chip. Yeah. yeah, it's one of the reasons that we talk about interest rates as much as we do on AgriTalk, and we're going to talk about them tomorrow with uh, Vince Malanga tomorrow morning. Well, Bank of America analysts wrote in a note to clients this week that a U.S. debt default in late summer or early fall is, quote, likely. Mm. While Goldman Sachs called the possibility that the U.S. government would not be able to make good on its bills a greater risk than at any time since 2011. Yeah, you think you're borrowing costs or something now. Wait until the U.S. goes into default. Hmm. Well, Chinese Vice Premier Liu He told attendees of the World Economic Forum meeting in Davos that his country is returning to normal faster than the government expected. Meanwhile, China's Ministry of Finance says more money is being made available, particularly for rural areas where resources are being exceedingly stretched thin by China's coronavirus outbreaks. Chip? All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Margie Ecclecamp, editor of The Scoop. Good morning, Margie. How are you? Oh, I am great, Chip. I am here to share one of my favorite stories that I get to share every year. Let's hear about it. Ag Retailer of the Year. Ag Retailer of the Year presented by the Agricultural Retailers Association. Now, everyone was together at the ARA conference last month, uh, and they received their award. But this is our cover story for our January issue. And it's the team at Marion Ag Services that's in the Willamette Valley of Oregon that received the award. So they have four locations, and they've grown from a business that was started by Bob Hockett and some other local farmers in 19. 1976 to now serve growers between Eugene and Portland, servicing more than a hundred crops. It is a great wow. story. We have the full story posted online as well as in our magazine. So you can go to www.thedailyscoop.com. But their motto is to deliver trust 
driven service. And they have this entrepreneurial spirit that's been rooted in them since their founding. And that really has helped them adjust to the changing markets there in the Willamette Valley. So you've had a shift in crops. Now they're serving a lot more horticultural growers. They're also serving a lot of specialty growers, including hazelnuts and hops. So it's just great to be able to feature an awesome ag retailer who's out there really showing the excellence of the industry while also serving an incredible diversity of farmers. Yeah. yeah. When, when you've got the ability to provide services over 100 crops, your, your management system that you've got in place has got to be unparalleled. Additionally, I think there's value in them being able to adjust to the upstream demand changes and okay. how that's changed their business. And that's applicable for everybody in agriculture. Yeah, yes, it certainly is. All right, Margie, thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Chip. You bet. That is Margie Yucklecamp, editor of The Scoop. Get the full story at www.thedailyscoop.com. Okay. Fertilizer prices, which direction are they going? We'll talk with Josh Linville, fertilizer analyst at the Stonex Group, next here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. You suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. Send us a tweet at hashtag AgriTalk. Welcome back to AgriTalk. I'm Chip Flory. Glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, Davis Michelson is here as well, and I'm Hello. glad that he is because we're going to get into oh, a conversation shucks. about what's going on in the fertilizer markets with Josh Linville, fertilizer analyst there at the Stonex Group. Josh. Welcome back to AgriTalk, man. It's good to talk with you again. Hey, you guys as well. Long time no talk. Yeah, where are you at today? Uh, today, Brandon, Manitoba. I'm up at the uh, Manitoba Ag Days. Excellent. Excellent. That's quite a change from uh, where you were earlier this month, right? Down in, in running <laughs> all those races down in Disney. Yeah, it's uh, you go from highs in the upper 70s, lower 80s to, uh, I think the car said on the drive over from Winnipeg to Brandon last night, negative 14, negative 16 Celsius. So a little bit of culture shock, but that's all right. And yeah. I just got to remember, I got to enjoy the good times down south. Yeah, Negative yep. 16 Celsius? That's like 100 below zero, yeah. isn't it, in Fahrenheit? <laughs> no. I don't know the math on that. That sounds yeah. awful. No, with, no. with my uh, my country education, that's something like that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. 
So, Josh, let's talk a little bit about what got us to where we are right now, because the fertilizer markets are looking responsive to the fundamentals. Prices have backed away from the highs. Energy prices were coming down. The grain markets were looking sluggish. And fertilizer prices responded by at least inching lower from late 22 into the first, what, 10 or 12 days of January, right? Yep. Yeah, it's high prices have been curing high prices. Uh a lot of the fertilizer markets set their all-time highs. If not, they got very, very close last March, April uh, 22. And at right. that point, it didn't look like there was much of a chance at all the price were going to come down. But you start looking at, you know, some of the things we've been focusing on. European natural gas market. It was $100 in MNBTU uh, back in August. Monday, it closed at $17.50. That's a huge discount from where it was. Um, we look at, you know, exports of phosphate. We started looking at exports of potash. Supplies are getting more plentiful. Demand had backed off. You know, we saw a pretty poor spring. We saw a, we don't think as good a fall as what we expected. So there's more inventory sitting around. The market always finds a way. High prices cure high prices, and we're living in the middle of that right now. Right, right. And plus, January 12 came along with the USDA reports. They were generally bullish for, for corn and for soybeans. Energy prices started to move higher. Mm-hmm. We got crude oil prices back up close to 82 bucks in the front month contract. The, the natty gas market is still in the low $3 range here in the U.S., but uh, fertilizer prices are responding to recent trends, too, and it seem to be putting in at least a short-term low. Is that what you're seeing? Absolutely. I, we're continuing to see, you know, uh, today it's gotten done with a very, very slow world demand period in December, and January the first half of it is very much the same way. However, we do expect there's going to be a, a rush of demand here as we start getting the second half of January, February, getting into March, the actual spring season. So we think this demand is going to help support these markets, at least for the short term. But, yeah, it's been it's been nice to see these prices continuing to fall and getting back to what normal uh, should be. Yep. Davis? Well, and I'm curious. I would, you know, it, it seems like we, we on anhydrous, edged right up close to 1600 bucks a ton. And I sort of viewed that as a point of, of resistance. I was concerned that maybe we would have to retest that resistance before we would head lower on fertilizers. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? I don't think that we will. Uh, the numbers that are out there right now for the spring are off quite a bit from that 1600 number. I, I would say yeah. the the general U.S. average today is probably something around 12, 1250. Yep. Still way too high, right? I mean, a lot of people are probably sitting there saying, there's nothing cheap about that, Josh. I fully agree. But when you look at where it was, it is lower. And the thing I think that keeps it from going any higher from where it is today is looking at the urea and the UAN markets. Both of those two have come down tremendously. And I always look at it as a trio, you know, which one is the high price, which one's low price. Today, anhydrous to a certain extent is your high price nitrogen. And I think that market's going to see a little bit of pressure because it's fearful that anhydrous farmers will start to consider going to urea and start to go to UAN. We don't expect the switching like you would from urea to UAN and back again, but mm-hmm. the possibility is definitely there. And I think it's something the anhydrous market needs to be concerned with. Yeah, We're and, seeing and, some decent declines in P and K as well. Absolutely. Uh, so, again, we're talking NOLA, New Orleans, Louisiana. A debt barge back in March, April was over $1,000 a ton. Today it's 600 uh, potash was, I believe, I'm going off memory here, eight nine hundred dollars. Today it's four hundred. Prices are off half, if not very, very close to half. 
Hey, Josh, how does that compare to other areas around the world when it comes to fertilizer prices? Everybody's been kind of doing the same thing. Now, a certain bit of and this is the interesting thing because your retailer and your farmer, it doesn't matter where you're at in the world. Everybody fights the same same fights. I'm seeing international prices fall, but why am I not seeing it here at home? Why is it so sluggish? And this is something that happens all around the world, but around the world prices have been coming off. It's just a matter of how quickly or how slowly that's happening. Yeah, and last year at one point, New Orleans uh, was like the cheapest landing point around the world, and we were being, you know, some countries were being a accused of dumping is is there has anything come of that no and that's something that that can happen from time to time that that's almost a normal thing there's a lot of contractual cargoes that come to the u.s there's you know producers in the middle east for example i mean if they don't produce fertilizer out of their natural gas they just flare it off it's a byproduct so they just take these uh these contractual tons they are guaranteed to come here regardless of what the net back is. And that kind of gets under the under the skin of the market sometimes, but that's just a part of it. But we're not seeing that really happen this time. Imports have been a little bit slower than where they were same time last year during the first half. January, it looks like it might be a little bit of an uptick, but nothing significant. We've got a lot of import work that we need to do. And, in fact, I'm starting to think we might see the U.S., the NOLA price, get to a premium versus the world if we need to start calling these tons to come home. Okay. Okay, Josh, now, go, go ahead, ahead Davis. No, you well, go. I was, I was going to shift gears a little bit over to the policy side, sort of. Uh, USDA seeking public comment on 21 potentially viable projects uh, on the uh, Federal Production Expansion Program for fertilizers. What do you make of this? Listen, anything that they are willing to do that helps to push more production here at home so that we are less reliant on international markets, I'm all for. Uh, whether that is here in the U.S., whether it's in Canada, I'm a big proponent for it. I would rather have these tons sitting in here and sitting in our backyard than a ship that's going to take 30 days as soon as it loads to arrive on our shores and then still need to be distributed. See, here's my thing, though. They're they're offering $88 million to boost production, and maybe that's where the, the devil is in the details. I mean, $1.2 million to build the, the fertilizer plant in Lee County, Iowa. $88 million feels like a drop in the bucket if we're talking 21 projects. It is. And that's why the Karate Classic last March, uh, when they stood up on stage and said, hey, we're going to start and we want to help fertilizer prices come down. We want to start uh, putting money into it. And everybody got excited. Like, oh, yeah, they're going to do something big. Yeah. And they came out $250 million and everybody kind of laughed. That is a drop. Even $250 million is a drop in the bucket. These plants, I think the last one that got made was Weaver. I believe the price tag on that eventually ballooned up to about $4 billion U.S. dollars. Right. So yeah, you start talking those kinds of numbers. That's not even a. It's not even a small fraction. Yeah, yeah. So what? But the timeline on expansion. Are these projects underway? No, uh, a lot of yeah. these are still kind of on the drawing table. They're still yeah. in the theory level. So it's going to take some time. If it's a greenfield, you know, breaking ground and starting to build from the ground up, it is going to take quite a while. It's going to take a couple of years, bare minimum, probably closer to three. And that's the problem, is that right. when you look at the global S&D for nitrogen overall, things get very, very tight between now and 2025. We know what's coming online. We know new production is coming. We also know have a general sense of what global demand looks like. Global demand outpaces global supply during that period. We need to get on it now. 
so that we're better prepared as we start moving into the 26, 27, 28 period. Okay, okay. That yeah, that I was going to ask you about your longer term. Uh, what are the what are the major trends that are going to be driving prices, and is that price lower into the twenty four growing season? I think that if everything continues to normalize, and when I say normalize, I mean European production coming back online, Russian exports continuing, Chinese exports continuing to resume, no production hiccups like what we've seen over the last few years. If all these things continue to happen, yeah, I think that prices can remain under pressure. However, as we start looking forward to the 24 period, the 25 period, and that differential between global production and global demand continues to tighten, you see where all of a sudden any sort of a hiccup is actually more violently uh, reacted to from the marketplace because you yep. just don't have the extra product. You don't have the extra inventory. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's that right there is the reason that I started with the fertilizer markets are being responsive to fundamentals. We need to remember that. It's not just, you know, chart from the top left to the bottom right or from the bottom left to the top right anymore. There's going to be some choppiness in this market. And, Josh, I'm glad we've got you to lean on and get some perspective on it. Thank you, buddy. Be safe up there in Canada. Hey, will do. Appreciate it, guys. All right. Josh Josh. Linville, Stonex Group. we got the Farmer Forum coming up next here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Time for Markets Now with the experts from ProFarmer. All right. Joining us now, ProFarmer Editor Brian Grady. Beach, we're seeing some of the, the markets are starting to take on a personality of their own, not really moving together anymore. I, I think that's a good sign that we're going to see some more active trade. Well, uh, we are seeing a little bit more active trade, Chip. I, I want to start in the soy complex. So, okay. you know, the, the soybean market uh, had really strong gains here recently and finished strong yesterday. Uh, pulling back on some profit taking, as is the meal market, uh, pushed out to new contract highs uh, yesterday, and so uh, yeah. you know, probably not too surprising to see those markets pull back. Uh, fundamentally, uh, the, the weather models in, indicate a little bit more rain activity for Argentina next week, and and so uh, that's probably given traders a reason for these uh, markets to pull back a little bit. Uh, corn market, it's not doing a whole lot to be honest with you. It's just kind of sitting around unchanged, as is the uh, the wheat market uh, mixed trade in, in uh, the wheat uh, complex as well. All right, take us over to the livestock trade. We've got some plus signs and price gains in the cattle complex. 
Yeah, so yesterday we had a technical breakdown, uh, both live cattle and feeder cattle, and, and trying to regain a little bit of that today. But uh, buyer interest is modest, to be honest with you. Uh, live cattle markets waiting on cash cattle trade to develop, and that probably won't uh, happen until later in the week. And if anything, uh, yesterday's uh, price performance probably caused the packer to be even a little bit more yep. uh, passive in their Stubborn. cash negotiations. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, on the hog side of things, uh, you know, we had strong corrective gains yesterday and uh, giving them back today. Uh, just can't seem to, to get our footing there because of the uh, continued fall in the cash index. All right, Brian. Thank you, buddy. That is Pro Farmer Editor Brian Grady. We've got the free... No, we've got the Farmer Forum in one minute. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip Flory. It is time for the Farmer Forum. We've got Quint Pottinger from Kentucky. Quint, welcome back. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Glad that you're here. We've got Brent Johnson from Iowa. Brent, welcome back. Good morning, Chip. Good morning. Of course, Brent is also the president of the Iowa Farm Bureau. We're glad that uh, both of you guys can make a little bit of time for us this morning. Okay, we were just talking with, with Josh Linville, uh, Stonex fertilizer analyst. Um, there are The market has become responsive to the fundamentals. Quint, how much influence is the price of fertilizer having on your decision-making, what the crop mix is going to be in 2023? I mean, it, like it does every year, we set up processes when I started farming 10 years ago to to make ourselves less or more resilient to the to the price changes. And so we just we put in, you know, structures to buy fertilizer at a certain times. It's the same way we put in price structures to sell grain at a certain time just to monitor profitability. You're never going to catch it all. But um, I think with what happened with Russia and Ukraine and the whole world thinking there's going to be a fertilizer tightening or crunch, it got everybody thinking. And so long as fertilizer is tied to a global price, not a single price in the hemisphere, you're going to see these massive fluctuations. And the only thing we can do is, is monitor it closely. It does it does affect us quite a bit, and we have to monitor it just like we monitor our crop prices. Yeah, you know, but how much wiggle room is there really in your decision in your acreage mix, Quint? Because I know that you know agronomy plans have got to be ha, have got to have an influence on your decisions too, right? Absolutely, and and that's why we we established trend line yields and we established a trend line a fertilizer micro fertilizer uptake, and we we just have to produce to that level, and, and we see big price swings on one side. We have to make sure we can lock in uh, a, a agreed upon profitability margin um, on the other end. And those things, they go in tandem. And that means you can't always hit a home run, but you can maintain profitability and resiliency in your business. Right, right. Brent, uh, what about you? Where are you in the process of deciding what your acreage mix is going to be? Yeah, well, here in in Northwest Iowa, I would say most things are, are pretty well finished. We did have a good year this past fall with getting field work done, uh, preparatory for uh, the 2023 crop. So there's there's been a lot of the nitrogen and, and fertilizers applied. Um, so, 
you know, really that's yeah. Clint, Clint nailed the, the answer, but to, to add a little bit more to that, you know, the, the revenues turned out to be okay this past year, which has allowed us to even consider playing in these, uh, high commodity, high, high cost of production, uh, markets right now. Um, and that's, that's really, it, it increases that risk. You know, we're all, we're all still really going to come out with the same margin, but the num the volume of dollars that we're shuffling around to try to manage that has absolutely exploded. Yeah. And, yeah. and, uh, you know, we're, we're here together right now, but you know, if, when these things turn around, we've got a lot of risk overhead right now. Yes. Yeah. There is no doubt about that. How much of a conversation point were the input costs down in San Juan at the AFBF convention, Brent? Yeah, it was, you know, there was, there was a lot of things talked about down in San Juan, but um, everybody was concerned about um, input prices, you know, mm -hmm. it's been all over the news, you know, the inflation rates are eight, 9% for your average American, but some of these products we're dealing with 200 and 300% inflation. Yeah. And it's just, it's just astronomical. I mean, your segment just a few minutes ago talked clearly about that. And, yeah. uh, you know, they're the relief in sight, you know, what are we going to do trying to increase domestic production to, to take care of ourselves a little better into the future. Yeah. Yeah. It make a good point on the inflation rate that, that agriculture has faced. It, it's, it's been interesting to watch the, the general economy respond to it, Quint, when inflation's been in agriculture, now it's accelerated in recent years. But how are you managing the the? Well, you you did you did talk about how you're managing it, but the on the interest rate side of things, how has that changed your operation, Quint? Uh, it it's a cost that we really haven't had to think all that much about over the last decade, but here it is now. I, I can speak to that. Um... Very acutely, just just because when I started farming ten years ago, I was a high risk profile farmer, not a lot of land base, and so any operating lending that I did that wasn't you know anything that wasn't real estate was always high interest. And so this year, I've been with some companies long enough where we're seeing a drop in interest carried over, and now everybody else is coming up to my operating interest rate level. So I've factored in high interest rates, you know, for the last ten years, and and so instead of me, me seeing it go up, I'm actually seeing it balance. But as far as other operations. When we're not doubling interest, we're tripling or quadrupling interest rates, and we're seeing a shift away from fixed to variable. On uh, instead of using like the LIBOR rate, we're using the SOFR rate, which is even more variable. And so I don't think a lot of guys have factored that in yet. But if you're looking at an interest rate at what you know five above SOFR, so you're at eight percent, but it's variable. Hell, you could be at twelve percent one month and back down to nine percent just because we don't know where this thing's going to land at. I don't think the Fed even knows how this economy is going to work, and they made it very clear that they're not going to to protect investment um, style uh, investment in the economy. That's where they normally say they're going to fight inflation first and then address that. And that's scary because that means they will continue to raise rates at a, a rate to keep inflation from getting out of control. On my end, it's good. I mean, I provide 100 percent of all of our corn, rye, and wheat to the whiskey distillers. Yep. So if we go into recession, the demand for my product goes up. Yeah. But as far as the rest of the industry, um, it's something you have to factor in. Yeah, yeah. How much of a, you know, Brent, we've been talking about this uh, more and more on AgriTalk. How much of a threat are these higher interest rates to the stability of agriculture? 
Well, <laughs> they're, they're a huge concern. Um, you know, it's, you know, interest, you know, as you look at a farmer's balance sheet, you know, interest costs are somewhere in the middle, but you know, it's, it's one of those costs that, you know, you don't really don't have much of a return on investment on it. It's the cost of doing business. And, and the, the, the tighter you can sharpen the pencil there, I mean, it's going to pay huge dividends on those, those places where you, you do need to concentrate those dollars. But, but as Clint said, I mean, the, the, where we're going here, um, it's really a question, you know, it's good to see that the, the feds have, you know, there's some talk that they're starting to slow down their, their rhetoric of raising rates, but you know, we've seen crazier things happen in the past and, yeah. you know, guys better be pretty smart about what's going on here the next couple of years. Yeah. Yep. No doubt about it. And, uh, it, as Quint said so well, it is something that, you know, a generation of farmers have not had to factor into their, their balance sheets, uh, yet. Yep. And, and here it is, here it is. So if you, if you are not up to speed on it, get up to speed, get it figured out. Brent, what else, uh, what else were the topics of discussion that, that, uh, you really appreciated down at San Juan at the convention? Well, the, the thing that really overrode everything was, um, the discussion about the impending farm bill, um, making sure that American Farm Bureau's priorities were set right, that we've, we're put in the proper, um, conversation talking points to make sure that this, this new Congress, um, is able to attack that as as properly as possible and one of the things that was really brought to light is 260 congressmen have never worked on a farm bill yep so that takes a lot of education when it comes to you know why why do we have a farm bill how do those titles work and what does that mean for the stability of agriculture and the and the stability of the country as a whole, you know, as it relates to the SNAP programs? And, you know, it's a huge topic, as we all understand, but there's a lot of education that needs to happen in, in Washington, D.C. over this next few months. Yeah, the House uh, Ag Committee announced the, the new members, and they brought some Farm Bill experience back on with Frank Lucas out of Oklahoma. Does that raise your confidence that they can get things done in before September? Well, you know, I, I've traveled around Iowa and in the Midwest a lot talking about um, the, the election results and, and how the, the balance in power was, yeah. was going to be a good thing for the farm bill. And, and the, the demonstration of them trying to an elect a speaker has got me second guessing my, oh, yeah. my rhetoric as yeah. the, what that working situation is going to be there in Washington. But, but ultimately, you know, I hope we can, we can come to a place where, you know, we, we will have to work across the aisle and um, that, that is going to translate into hopefully as good of a farm bill as we can uh, okay. expect right now. Quint, Quint, what about you? What's your confidence level that, that uh, Congress will be able to wrap up a farm bill? Low. Very low. I just think that we've got, we're in a populist movement now in our government. We have to cycle back to something that's more fiscally sustainable. And so long as you have members of Congress that are at the whim of their entire voting block, that's, that's not exactly representative of, of agriculture. Um, it's going to be really, really hard to get something done on time. I'm saying we can't get something done. I just think getting something done on time is valuable for us. Um, I just low confidence because of that. Yeah. 
Yeah, it, that's an interesting take, Quint. And uh, it, I think yeah, Brent did a real nice job explaining that with all these new congressmen that have never had to deal with a farm bill, um, this is uh, this is where the education kicks in. And, and Senator Stabenow has already announced that she is not going to run for re-election in 2024. So, Brent, when we come back, I want to ask you, is this kind of a legacy issue for Senator Stabenow? Uh, does it increase the odds that the Senate is going to be pushing for completion of a farm bill? We'll, we'll discuss that next here on the Farmer Forum on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on Agritalk. I owe neither what they're going to talk about next. <laughs> but it's just finishing up a farm bill conversation. No need to owe neither about that, okay? All right. All right. Welcome back. I'm Chip. Let's get back to the Farmer Forum. We've got Quentin Pottinger from Kentucky, Brent Johnson from Iowa, who is also the president of the Iowa Farm Bureau. Um, okay. Brent, the the status of Senator Stabenow, do you think that improves the odds that we could get a, a farm bill done by the end of September? Um, I'm not I'm not sure that her I don't know how to answer that. I mean, every time I try to predict anything that goes on in Washington, I'm proven wrong and I'm proven wrong in a way that I didn't even expect. So, um she, uh, you know, her her points on this farm bill have she been pretty clear about um, her priorities and the way that she wants to see yes. things happen, and Especially and uh, so I think some of that clarity, you know, might might help improve that situation. But you know, it's it's going to be Farm Bureau's top priority to try to move this farm bill along as as far as we can in this year, and and our number one goal is to try to get that done, but. You know, I do think Quint has a good point. Uh, my my likelihood of that being accomplished this year, uh, I'm I'm pretty pretty pessimistic on that. But that it's, doesn't mean we're not going to try our damnedest to get it done. Yeah, it's it's going to be full of challenges. Um, Glenn Thompson seems the representative Glenn Thompson seems to be very optimistic about it. But what about the focus of the bill, Quint? Farm groups, Farm Bureau. Is, has got a focus on crop insurance. Is that where it should be? Yes, absolutely. I think okay. it's the only 
it's the only big subsidy we have left. And for from a from a beginning farmer or a, a young farmer, that risk protection and cost shared risk protection is such a massive benefit to my financial statement and my exposure to be able to grow. For somebody who wants to grow rapidly, but coming from a small base, it's really the only thing we have left that the government can provide. Because let's face it, low interest loans from the government or subsidized interest loans are great. Grants are great. But the timeline that takes to get those put in place, you're almost out of date before you're, you can yeah. get them. Crop insurance is one big significant um, add-on for, for growers, in my opinion, based on what I've been through. Yeah. And when you go in and talk with a lender, uh, the, uh, the, you've got to be able to show them the, the coverage of crop insurance or they're, they may not even work with you. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So priority one there, Brent is on crop insurance. What about title one? Because we've gone through so many ad hoc payments here going back to what? 2018. It, it's almost that the ad hoc payments have become the norm again. Do, d- does the safety net in Title One need to also be addressed? Well, <laughs> fiscal responsibility. How do you how do you predict yeah. that? Um, <laughs> you know the uh, um, the crop insurance risk protection. You know that that is absolutely the number one priority. Yeah. Um, you know as we do as we do increase um, you know weather issues and and some of these things. You know, some of these ad hoc programs, there was, you know, there's some people talking that we need to make sure that those things are included in the farm bill now. And I'm not sure that that's appropriate. The farm bill's uh, purpose is to, um, you know, bring some stability, some sense of uh, ability to to farmers and ad hoc programs, disaster relief. um, They they shouldn't shouldn't be a part of that conversation. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's get local here. Quint, what's going on in your backyard that you want uh, the rest of the farm community to know about? The, the Keep buying the whiskey. It's really helping us out and it's helping <laughs> us manage our price risk. <laughs> no, it's um, we've, we've got some really interesting things happening down in Kentucky. Uh, just from a market standpoint, uh, our ability to, to increase our um Soy crush capacity in state has been incredible for basis, and um, I think we, we're making some really good personal connections to farmers overseas. Um, so we're able to do some direct selling overseas, and that's helping our bottom line as well. Um, and the weather is is Kentucky weather. I think it's going to be like that for most of the Midwest. It'll be warm one week and cold the next week. And we'll yeah. see how that shakes out. The winter wheat crop is thriving from that, so we'll yeah. take it. Okay. All right. Brent, what about you? What's going on up in Northwest Iowa that the rest of the farm community needs to know about? Well, how much time we got, Chip? Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. Um, you know, really, I mean, there's there's so many things, but one of one of the things that's maybe a priority right here in Northwest Iowa. So where I'm at is uh, I'm in one of the three counties at the Des Moines Waterworks Works sued several years ago. So mm-hmm. so we're pretty sensitive to fertilizer uses and, and, you know, trying to make those things as efficient as possible, keeping things in place in the fields and, and monitoring um, all, those, all those priorities. With that said, um, you know, the MRTN update um, that we're trying to get accomplished within the Iowa State um, in conjunction with Iowa State, excuse me, um, to make sure that that tool is 
as up to date, usable with farmers um, in a in a realistic fashion. Finding some of those alternative fertilizer um, products and and how do we use them? How do we use them properly? Are they a fit? Where are they a fit? And uh, so I, I think there's a lot of work being done right now around efficiency, productivity, and uh, making sure that through all those conversations that profitability remains high for farmers as well. Excellent. Excellent. You know, the, the, the sustainability talk continues, and I'm starting this very late, but it is encouraging more and more that when we talk about sustainability, the financial side of it and the profit side of it comes is included in the conversation. Uh, that's an important thing to be there, isn't it, Quint? Absolutely. Social, environmental, economical. You got to balance all three. Otherwise, you'll slack in one and, and things get crazy. Fantastic. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. Hey, great job today. Really appreciate you. Quint Pottinger over in Kentucky. Thanks, buddy. Yep. Thanks for having me on, Tip. All right. Brent Johnson, Northwest Iowa, president of the Iowa Farm Bureau. Thank you so much for making time for us this morning, Brent. You bet, Chip. We'll, uh, we'll be digging out the next few days. Yeah. Yep. That's right. Be safe. <laughs> be safe. This one, this right. one looks a little heavy too. So be, be careful yep. out there. All right. Uh, yeah. Hey, thanks for listening this morning. Come back this afternoon. Conversation with Carl Setzer from AgriVisor right here on AgriTalks.